Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning and welcome everybody to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I will be your host. And today we are talking about pursuing emotion in our art. How do we do that? What does it take? Is it a technique issue? Do you have to get your place or yourself? Sorry, all of the stuff that's flowing in my face right now is super distracting. Um, a walk this morning probably was not the best idea. I thought I was gonna be tough and stick it out, but it makes it hard to speak when your eyes are full. <laughs> so as I walk home, Hopefully, I'll be able to describe today's conversation uh, without being too distracting. We'll see what happens. But it is about pursuing emotion in your art. How do we do that? Is it a technique issue? Is it something that we have to get ourselves into an emotional state? Is it something we can do through following certain patterns or rhythms or, um, you know, having set out systems for ourselves? How do we actually do that? Um, and I know that there are people who maybe have never actually pursued this path before. And it can be a little bit daunting because depending on how you approach it, it will require you to feel a certain way or to think a certain way, maybe step outside your comfort zone a little bit. But for those of us who have, hopefully we can help share some of this because being able to work out some of your feelings with a piece of art or to be able to create a piece that emotionally connects with an audience beyond purely the experience of, well, that's pretty, is a really powerful gift that we have as creatives. So I want to begin by asking members of the panel this morning, and I'll make y'all mods as soon as I get back to the house. Um, the snow covered the ground really fast. <laughs> um, what do you do? Have you ever worked at getting emotion into an image? And how have you pursued that? Did it work? Uh, let us know what that looks like for you. I mean, you have to look at the, the components of, of what makes an image, right? Um, so like obviously with with an emotional you have that connection and that expression from from the subject maybe if there is a subject right uh, but you also have you know the other pieces of the puzzle the other recipe components so you have movement you have light you have shadow um and all of those things can support or contrast uh whatever it is that that you're trying to convey uh so you know is that lower light is that crazy expression is that 
color palettes is that, you know, all of those things can, can support the story that you're trying to tell. So what ways can you leverage those components to tell the story or evoke the emotional experience that you're after? Okay, so it sounds like from your perspective, a big part of this equation is making sure that you are leveraging these technical skills and asking yourself which of these techniques will come into play in order to help communicate this emotion. Is that right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just had come in out and I, so as I had wind in my ear, it happened really fast. It was calm when I went outside, had wind in my ears and I, I didn't hear super well, but that's kind of what I, I got from hearing you. Yeah, basically, you know, looking at the, all of the things that go into an image, right? Whether it's photo or painted or otherwise, like your color palette, the, the motion or movement that is or isn't present or the stillness or, you know, all of the things, they can either support or contrast the story you're trying to tell. Um, and that's really how, you know, I say, okay, well, if I say it's, say it's a photo, right. And I'm really wanting to, maybe I should go back through my Instagram and see if there's any examples of this. Uh, the connection with the subject, maybe their heads in their hand, uh, and you can't really see a lot of their face, but then if everything in the image is in contrast to that, that feeling, right? It's going to be confusing for the viewer nine times out of 10, unless it's done really masterfully. Uh, so in order to, you know, support that story of this person is feeling down or depressed or in grief or, or whatever, then I'm going to support that story through my use of color palette, my use of stillness and or movement, my light choices, how I'm directing shadow in, in the frame, what backdrop I'm using. You know, I'm probably not going to put them on a cherry red backdrop in a super high key environment, right? Because that's like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why that guy looks like that, but everything around is like bubbly and exciting. Um, you know, and so when you're building those images, those, th that imagery, um, you know, how can all of the, the levers, you know, that, that Bassam uses, right. The levers you can pull to tell that story in concert with one another, um, allow you to do that in such a way that one sort of feeds into the other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so beginning with knowing which kind of emotions we're gonna be chasing down and then making sure that those different technical elements of image making um, support and or contrast properly so that it communicates. And I know you mentioned, you know, having a subject in the frame. And then of course, a lot of that is going to be directed by the subject and how they're feeling or how you've coached them to feel. And then you have to kind of support that with the artistic decisions that you're making as the image maker. Sorry, I couldn't get to my mic. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Okay, cool. So I like starting there. 
um, particularly because those uh, elements of visual literacy that we've talked about often in the past obviously come into play where we start to ask ourselves, um, you know, what emotions are we communicating here? And then how does each of these elements contribute to the viewer sensing or feeling that emotion? What color palette are we using? What's the shape language? Where are the shadows moving? All of those things that you mentioned. I love starting there um, because I think that that helps to ground this conversation in the fact that we have so much control over the final product when it comes to how people feel when they see the image that we've created. But then I also have to ask you, Kat, so when you're going through this process, um, is this kind of an analytical thing for you where you're like, okay, I know, you know, these types of things go along with sadness, so I'll include them. Or do you do any kind of work to start to feel any kind of sadness when you do that kind of work? Um, the answer is yes. <laughs> um, there are, you know, sometimes when I want there to be some, some contrast or, or conflicting elements. Um, I think Becca's image of her daughter in the woods is a really good example of that. Um, you know, like you have this like super spooky set and then this little innocent child who seems like pretty content to be there and it's just very out of place. Right. So you can sort of lean in on, you know, what you're wanting your audience to feel by confusing them. Uh, and I think that's really quite clever. Uh, but there are some times where, you know, when I, when I am creating, you know, I want to get into that, that emotional space um, so that, that, that connection feels, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, integrous to me. Um, and then there are other times I'm like, okay, what's the story I'm trying to tell? How can I support that? And then it really is just about like A plus B equals C. Um, so it just sort of depends on the day. Yep. That makes perfect sense. And I'm sure most of us have probably experienced times when we're feeling really deeply and we just have to create in order to express, communicate, um, deal with those emotions. And then other times where that is more cerebral and we're like, okay, you know, I really want to start exploring what and how these things feel. How am I going to start putting that together? Um, so it makes a lot of sense that it's yes and, <laughs> or yes or for that question. Okay, so we've heard some awesome stuff from Kat already on ways that she approaches making emotion clear in her work. Matt Bassam, is that something that either of you ever try to do? And if you do, what are some of the steps that you take to add emotion to your work? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of those who you mentioned earlier who have not really experimented much with creating images out of emotion or with deliberately um, trying try to create images that, that, you know, evoke a certain emotion. Now, I say that uh, at the same time, I am a portrait photographer, and you can say that every image that I make uh, does or should or, or, or uh, inherently has uh, an emotion attached to it. So, you know, my style is, is min I'm a minimalist, right? If you look at my style, I, I really focus on the client. I really focus on the subject. And the only mechanism I, I use or the levers uh, that I use just to, you know, just to, um, but what Kat said earlier 
is the connection I have with the uh, with the subject, the connection and feeding off their mood and feeding off the, the energy that they bring into the session. And, it, you know, being the only lever that I'm either intuitively comfortable with or that I actually use, I actually struggle when my subject is, is doesn't have i guess a level of energy that 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 uh, inspires me or or helps me accomplish what i have to do so i struggle with actually creating or 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 or, um uh helping my client unless they can unless they're also putting their equivalent or their you know equivalent effort into it right so my so so any emotion that you see is purely out of uh out of connection and it's it it is focused on how that the subject is feeling and how they would describe themselves when they see the image or the the feeling they had when they took the picture although they don't usually remember that but they see the image after uh things like i i look majestic i look raw i look this i look that so yeah i i i don't i don't uh, have a lot of experience in deliberately creating um images that display certain emotions yeah and i'm sure a lot of people can connect with you on that one to some um maybe that's just something some folks have not chased down yet or it hasn't even seemed interesting to them to do so for whatever reason which is a, a legitimate thing so but it does sound like um it does sound like for you when that happens it's a really collaborative process with your clients and would you say that during the process you're doing any kind of um chasing down as part of that connection so you said of course you know that is naturally kind of flows from your connection with the client and how they're feeling and all of those things so when that's happening are you actively looking for how you can help them express or is it just whatever happens to flow from the natural back and forth of the photo shoot itself no, absolutely. I, I do try to feed off what they're, you know, feel out how they approach the photo shoot, you know, what gets them to, to either react or, or show a certain emotion. And I do, uh, I do try to uh, guide them into it and, and actually uh, follow whatever they, what I perceive as their way of, of feeling comfortable and, and, and letting go and, and, and you know, displaying whatever emotion they're trying to display. Um, so yeah, I definitely do that. Uh, but, but I need, I need that, that kind of equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> it, I, I struggle when it's one-sided and it's only up to me. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people struggle that way. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's rare that you have somebody that has, you know, you know, that has difficulty helping you out in that respect, or at least doing their part. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I do. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, just thinking, you know, from a portrait photog photographer's perspective. And so when that's happening, what are some of the things that you're doing to help coach them toward those feelings that you talked about? Like, are you asking them to think about certain things or to move in certain ways or providing them music or what, what does that look like? Yeah, no, usually I put them in scenarios. I give them a scenario that kind of, uh, uh, that would describe, that would help them put themselves in that mood or in that, in that context. 
uh, one thing I learned uh, from another, for, for example, for boudoir shoots, right? A, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about putting them in that zone where they're kind of connecting with themselves and not really thinking about what's around them. And I learned from another photographer that um, to just tell them at the beginning that, you know, I'm often going to talk to you about a secret that you may have. I don't want to know the secret. I don't want you to tell me what it is. Uh, but I often say, well, you have a secret, right? So, and, and immediately their face changes and their mood changes because they've already had that. They kind of pick that thing up front that they're going to think about when I instigate that. That's one example, which I learned from somebody else. I mean, it's a pretty easy trick, but it works. It works very well. Uh, I had a client uh, a couple of weeks ago who was... Uh, who does conferences and workshops and, and, and on helps incest victims and, and sexual assault victims and also works with perpetrators. And, uh, and we had to create, she does conferences and she does also stand up comedy on the subject, believe it or not, two, two different things. And we actually had to create a very simple set that put her in that, put her in that, in that setting of being in a bar, in a comedy bar uh, for her to be able to, to, to show off those expressions. I mean, it came out absolutely amazing. We had to create the scene. We had to create them very simplistically, nothing complicated. Uh, but that's something that I, like I said, I worked with her, I fed off what she needs and we created that and the pictures are, you know, exactly what she was looking for. So those are the kinds of things, I mean, two examples of what I do. Okay. So interesting to me that you would say initially, oh, I don't really, you know, purposefully look to explore any kind of emotions. And here you are coaching clients and building sets for the sole purpose of helping them be able to express. So maybe, you know, that collaborative process really is the thing that you're after. And the emotion then becomes a very purposeful secondary outgrowth of the process that you're using to help your clients connect emotionally to what they need to share. Right. And absolutely, I don't deny that. I mean, if, if, if people connect with, with my work, it's, and it's because I probably do that, then it comes out in the final product. What I really meant is I don't really, that's all I do is client work essentially, right? Which means I, I don't spend any time honing my skills of creating images. I've said that multiple times, although I, I have tried and I have, you know, played around with it but in general i don't that's really what i meant by i i don't have i, I haven't experimented much and i don't usually deliberately do that it's just something i do and 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 you know i'm pretty good at it i guess and that's why clients connect with me right sure yeah no that makes sense and it's fantastic because i think we've heard a really great kind of um we've heard a really great group of pieces of advice that we can look at so far from beginning with, you know, Kat's um, experiences with what emotion am I looking at here? How can I pull those visual psychological levers to help people be able to gather that emotion from my work? Things like the color and the body pose and the shape language and the lighting and the shadows, all of that stuff. And then being able to extend that to exactly what you're talking about, Bassam. If you're working with a person, how do you coach them into those spaces and provide an environment where they feel safe and comfortable being able to emote and connect to those emotional reactions that they have to be able to share that and get that to come across with the viewer. So some um, painters may not always get to experience this if they're not painting live subjects, but 
um, as photographers, that's a, a kind of a unique gift that we get to give to our clients and then to our viewers of being able to work with somebody in real time. But um, I know plenty of painters who are working from references that they've either created or hired somebody to create. And so that's absolutely something that painters can look at doing as well to help the sitter be able to give them the kind of physical and facial emotions that are going to help communicate whatever it is that you're trying to say. So providing the right environment, providing the right kind of coaching, the right kind of support and feedback, it definitely sounds like it's a great tool to add to this arsenal of uh, chasing down emotion in the images that we create. So Matt, have you done this? Um, what does that process look like for you? What are some things that you use to help get emotion across in your photographs? So I'm pretty much a mix of, of Kat and Bassam, I think. I never, unless I'm doing self-portraiture or unless I'm doing some sort of creative thing where I'm trying to get that across, I, I, I tend to do things more like Kat does, right? I'm already thinking through, all right, well, what's the story that I want to tell? Do I want it to be dark or light or, you know, and I go through all the all the pieces to build that image in my mind as best I can. And this is where I write a lot of stuff down. And then I go and when I go to create it, um, you know, I make the image and I say, is this really conveying what I want or not? And a lot of times it's not like just for shits and giggles. It's like, Hey, I want to make something sad. And if I, if I have this image in my mind and it's not coming across as sad, then I look at it and say, well, is there another emotion there? And can it take me down a tributary road where I might be able to find something different, right? That's just part of the creative process for me. But very much what Kat said, thinking about all the elements, like if you think PPA, like the 12 elements of a competition image, right? And I'm going through all of that and the composition and the color and the story and yada, yada, yada. When it comes to the majority of my work, which is client work, I'm very much like Bassam. I concentrate wholly and completely on the connection at first. And through the conversations with the client before I ever press the shutter, um, I already have in my mind a general feeling of what their emotional state is going to be, what their mind state is going to be. And we go through our session, whatever it might be, it might be personal branding, might be portrait, might be fine art, doesn't matter. But there's usually a moment or two where I use the same technique as Bassam. You have a secret or you know something that I don't know. What is that? And that usually evokes a smile or a laugh or something. Um, but for me, you know, I tend to just pay attention to what's going on in front of me. And as we have a conversation, as we do our shoot, something might come up. And me being the weirdo, you know, amateur psychologist that I am, try to dig into different things here and there. Why do they feel that way? Why, you know, what happened to make them feel that way? What did you do about it? All of those things to get them talking about how they feel and their emotions. Because those micro expressions that come across when we're not thinking about, show me your sad face. It's just, you feel it and it flashes across your eyes or it flashes across your face. Those are the moments that I live for. So just through talking, paying attention, asking some pointed questions, I can create that feeling flashing across their face more often than just leaving it to chance. So for me, if I know that I'm going to be creating an image um, that needs to convey something powerful, 
I will work on those conversations to keep creating that emotion, not to drive someone into a panic, but just to create the emotion um, so that I have more opportunities and more chances to capture it. Once I see that, I can then start to fine tune and bring them in as a partner on the process. So I had a, a woman recently, a very quick story. I had a woman recently who's um, been recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And she came to me, she wanted to do a session that was a tribute to her breasts before she had them removed. And we went through a day and we were doing all this fun stuff. And it was really paying um, homage to her body and being beautiful as it is. Then as we started to remove clothes and expose her, um, I saw the emotions start to change, right? Things really started to settle in. She was going in for surgery in two days and it was really just starting to weigh heavy on her. And I started to work with her on that. And I said, you know, let's lean into it. And we got the right wardrobe. And, you know, at the end she was, you know, almost crying, um, holding back tears. That pain in the face was so evident. When I got the image that I knew would work and then bringing it into Photoshop to enhance it, there are little things that I did to make sure that that pain and that emotion was coming through. Highly texturized versus nice smooth skin, right? Dark contrasty shadows versus bright and airy. All of those things, you know, combine the elements of what Bassam was talking about with what Kat was talking about. And I think for me, when it comes to creating emotion in my photos, it's not a tried and true method. Um, I just have techniques that I can use to exploit certain moments to get closer to the emotion that I'm trying to convey. I think from the viewer's perspective, it's all of that shared experience. We all kind of experience a lot of the same things, the pain, the joy. And when we see something that we connect with, it, for me, represents a large shared experience. And how can I capture that and, and show that to as many people as possible? Will it come through to everybody? Maybe. Will it not? Possibly. But, you know, I'm trying my best to convey what I see and what I feel the subject is, is going through at the time. So long wandering answer, but it's a combination of Kat and Bassam. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. And, um, I, you know, it sounds like particularly from the portrait photographer's perspective, it's very much a collaborative process and a question of, you know, how can I help the person who's sitting for me today get into that space where they feel safe to emote and how can I kind of walk them through that and make sure all of the elements are there physically and emotionally for them to be able to, you know, just let their emotions come out and not be guarded and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so taking everything you know about image making beforehand and then bringing that to the shoot itself being prepared in that way and then switching over in a way to a director, um, walking somebody through how they can be expressing, exploring those emotions, it makes a lot of sense. And what I want to ask from friends in the audience now is for those folks who have to get themselves into that emotional state, um, you know, some, <clears throat> excuse me, some of us do need to be feeling the emotion in order to communicate the emotion. And is that something 
folks have done. So if you're in the audience today, and this is part of your process, when you're looking at communicating emotion through an image, do you need to put yourself in that place of, I can feel this emotion, I'm experiencing it, and then this is how I'm expressing it. I'd love to have you raise your hand if you wouldn't mind come up and share, because I think it can be really helpful for people who have never done that before, who've never put themselves in that position to be feeling whatever it is they're also trying to communicate. So please feel free to raise your hand. If that's you, we would love to hear from you. Um, and, you know, to, to add to that, Nicole, I think there's a, a certain level of self-awareness that you have to have, right? And emotional maturity to be able to understand what that emotion is going to be, not let it overwhelm you as the artist in the moment. And I'm, I'll talk about portrait photography because I'm not a, a sculptor or a painter or anything like that. Um, but you have to understand that you can feel the emotion, but... I think if you let yourself get too drawn into it, it distracts you from creation of the art itself, right? So if I sit there, I can empathize, but I can't necessarily let myself get into a depressive state um, because then it just takes me out of the connection with the client, right? I can be overjoyed for someone, but I can't get so wrapped up in the happiness that I forget that I have a job to do. Right. So there's this fine line, I think, that we have to walk when we're using emotion in the creation process when it's with a client. If I'm doing self portraits or I'm working with a model and we need to, you know, we're trying to create the conveyance of an emotion, then that's slightly different. But still, I have a job to do. I still have to direct. So I can feel those feelings at another time, write them down, and then understand when I'm in the process of creation that I can say like, oh, yeah, I felt this. These were the specific um, ways that my body felt or my mind went or some of the things I thought of. And by being able to write down some of those things as, as clearly as possible, right, sweat on my forehead, knots in my stomach, whatever it is, you write those things down, it makes it easier to separate yourself from that emotion when it comes to the time to create, if that makes sense. So if I can look at my page notes being like, oh, yeah, when I was feeling really shitty, these are all the things that were going on with me. Now I can use that as a checklist during the creation process of saying, well, maybe if I just missed her forehead with a little bit of water, it'll give that nervous sweat. Maybe if I have her lean over, it'll convey that feeling of knots in the stomach or, you know, something to that effect. So understanding how you interpret your emotion also helps you convey that visually when it comes time. Yeah, that's super yeah. interesting. Oh, go ahead, Bissam. I was going to say the same thing, Nicole, because, uh, uh, you know, when, when Matt talks about self-awareness, uh, I think personality traits has a lot to do with this. Uh, and it's funny that, it, you know, I can almost copy what Matt just said. Uh, and, sorry, I can exactly what he said is what I've been kind of dealing with for the past couple of weeks, uh, coaching 22 people in leadership and becoming better, better version of themselves as a leader. And we've done a psychometric test with them. And obviously, one of the things we measure is uh, uh, on, on, a, on a two extreme scales is is emotional, is, you know, how distant you are emotionally versus how close you are emotionally to your own emotions and to others' emotions and being able to empathize and, and so on and so forth. And it's exactly about that self-awareness of knowing where you are. Because if you do happen to be on the extreme right hand of, the, of that scale of being distanced from emotions, right, 
it may not even be on your radar screen and 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 you may and and you will you may not connect with people based on emotions you may connect with them in different ways right but that balance of being kind of in the middle or at least being able to realize that i need to appear differently yes i if i'm completely on the left hand side where emotions i'm so close emotionally and i'm so in tune with emotions that you won't be able to balance it out and do your job as a leader because i mean same thing as a photographer because you don't have that 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 natural uh, ability to to say whoa enough is enough or i you know I, I i sympathize i empathize but i do have a job to do so i really connected with with what matt just said because i've been kind of preaching it over the last week and a half to a whole bunch of people <clears throat> different subject but same uh, uh same uh, you know uh, topic Sure. I'm actually going to challenge both of you just a little bit later on that, a smidgen, um, because I think it's a really interesting subject, depending on the way that each of us approach, approaches our work. Um, but first, I want to make sure that we hear from Anthony. So, Anthony, what are your thoughts on how we start to express emotion through our work, and what does that look like for you? Good morning, everybody, and thank you for the opportunity, Nicole, to share. Um, I just... Uh, Matt's story uh, remind me something very similar happened to me. I had this uh, lady who I've done work for her before, uh, but this time was different. Uh, she was about to start uh, chemotherapy um, and, and, and the other one, the other uh, radiation that her hair may fall off. And, um, and she is really, she loves her hair. You know, she is, it's one of her, you know, attributes that she loved the most about her. And she was so afraid that she was gonna lose it. So she approached me this time, this time, and she told me, Anthony, all I want is just my head. I don't want anything else but my head. So a headshot, pretty much. And um, but it, it was a little difficult because you could tell that she was going through a lot of stress and and pressure and 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 sadness. Uh, but she wanted to look happy on the photo. Uh, so getting to talk to her. Uh, and trying to you know get her of that groove and, and and get her going for the for the photo was was a, a real challenge for me it was my first time but i've always been a people person so i try to use my skills to try to elevate her uh, uh her soul and her spirit you know get in, in good mood uh for for the photos uh so um uh, i just try to what I try to do in this case, I try to relate to them. Uh, people, have, life is hard. We all know that. Uh, so in a way, in one way or another, uh, my mom went through through that. So I know what she's going through. Uh, and so I try to relate and try to be as understanding as possible uh, for me to, uh, for her to, you know, convey and, and transmit that emotion and try to get that emotion from her on camera. Uh, that was one experience. And the second one, real quick, was I was doing some uh, portraits and, and headshots for a realtor. And, and I don't know why, but she is absolutely panicked about photos. She absolutely hates them. She doesn't like to take photos. But she loved the photo I took of her. Not because it was great. I wasn't 100% satisfied with my outcome as a photographer. But she was 1,000% satisfied because she remembers how I made her feel. And she told me, Anthony, you just took the best photo that anybody have taken of me. And those two experiences that happened uh, uh, like last year, I would say, they taught me so much for me as an artist uh, and creator and as a photographer 
to help my my clients uh, uh, that come to me for a photo uh, and transmit that emotion that they want to reflect on the photos. Thank you. That is outstanding. Thanks for sharing. And so I think what we've heard so far is some really super strong advice about how we can approach expressing emotion through our work. And of course, as those of us up here are photographers, um, it's been kind of heavily, you know, photographer based. So I do want to kind of touch on a few things that don't rely upon photography necessarily in order to help communicate some things that are a little bit more broadly um, visual art related so that that also can kind of tie in some of the other things for folks who don't work with clients. So maybe if you only hire a model when it's time to create something or if you're using reference images or, or even if you're just building something from your mind without any additional help. But before I do that, I wanna kind of challenge this idea a little bit that we don't really want to be feeling too deeply when we're creating because it might damage our ability to use some of those tools of visual literacy um, that we need to be paying attention to. And so I think number one, um, once you get to a certain state with your photography, I actually wonder how often you would forget, at least um, I know I feel this way and I wonder for Matt and Bassam if you ever experienced this as well. At this point, most of the decisions I make on the fly when I am on the location shooting whatever it is I'm shooting are instinctual. So I, I don't always go, wait a minute, let me go back and reference, you know, these aspects of visual literacy and what I need to be paying attention to. Most of the time at that point, I'm working off of instinct. I have usually thought my way through the other elements that I'm going to be, sorry, my dog thinks my son put a hood on his head and so now he's a stranger uh, who must be, you know, protected. Anyway, so most of the time I have thought through those things in advance. So in the moment when I am, if I'm shooting a subject, when I'm with the person, I'm free to come right along with them and to feel those feelings and to have that kind of empathetic human response and be able to use what I'm feeling at the time to help inform those instinctual decisions that I make on whether the light works or whether the framing is right or whether something needs to change expression-wise because I'm feeling more deeply connected to what's happening at the moment um, as you know, separate from knowing I need to hold myself separate a little bit so my analytical mind can work. I'm allowing those decisions to be made just by my guts. So that's one potential way that I think you can look at this if you want to try or experiment with being able to connect to those feelings um, while you're creating. Um, and I, I did this the same way and I'm, I'm actually working on, I'm working on repainting these a little bit. Um, I had taken some photos of women for International Women's Day. We put a little um, a window on their chest to make it look like that window was a representation of seeing their soul, the window to the soul kind of thing. And then through that window, different things were emerging or coming out. Some windows were boarded up um, and had light shining through them. Some windows were open and had roses climbing out. Some windows had little uh, sheets tied together like somebody was trying to escape. Um, so there were all of these kind of different metaphors that we were using to communicate 
And I knew there's no way I was going to be able to capture these images if I wasn't as deeply empathetic to these experiences as the women were, because they knew not only were they going to have to be topless, but as we were shooting, they were going to be talking me through the experience that related to the, the window um, that was in their chest. And so as they were speaking, not only did I have to be able to be there to hold space, but I had to be feeling those same emotions in order for the experience of capturing it to work well enough so that when I wrote about it also later, I would be able to, to be there to know what it felt like to be abandoned or to be hurt or to be all of those things. Um, I had to be able to bring my own experience to bear and be there right alongside them feeling those things. And that was part of the art. So it wasn't just, you know, exploring that and allowing somebody else to feel I had to feel as well. Otherwise, not only would they not feel safe with me being there, but the piece just wouldn't work in what it was meant to be. And that took pre-work on my part. So that took understanding what we were going for and how people were gonna relate to these images and what these different windows, what those would symbolize um, and, and be able to prepare myself. And I know I've mentioned it before for folks who were here for that, but it was incredibly draining. It was really deeply emotional. After each shoot, I was just emotionally wrecked. Um, but the images, that we were able to capture spoke so eloquently of these women and the experiences that left their mark on the soul of these women that it made having felt the emotions and been kind of wrung dry, it made it worth it. It made the process worth it. And I still hear from them occasionally on how cathartic it was to be able to be there and to look down the lens of my camera and kind of confront these things, but know that I was sitting behind the camera with tears running down my face as well. I don't think that there was a way to emotionally remove myself. And I think if I had in that situation, it would have damaged the quality of the experience and the final image that came out of it. Now, that's not to say that that always needs to be the case. And I know um, Matt Bassam, you guys are speaking really specifically also from the space of being able to be present for a client. These women were not clients, they were volunteers for an art project. So of course, that is a different thing entirely. And the last thing that you want to do as the business owner and the photographer who is there to give somebody a final product is to completely break down and not be able to handle yourself. So obviously that's really important. And as Bassam mentioned also, you know, when you are leading people you really do have to make sure that you're maintaining at least a little bit of distance so you can be functional because people are going to go through difficult things and you still need to be able to make those important decisions and give people advice and guide them without losing your mind. But um, for those people who need to be able to feel, I don't think that it's going to damage the quality of the image, particularly if you make sure that you're setting yourself up for it in advance, recognizing that you're going to be feeling a lot, try to take a few of those decisions out of your hands beforehand. And that's when I would use the thing that Matt and Kat had talked about, you know, these different levers. So if I know I'm going to be bringing somebody in and we're going to be exploring, you know, sadness and difficulty and trauma and whatever it is, I may keep the lights low and I may have a certain kind of music on. I may have already tested and set up my lighting for this shot so that I can make sure that it is, um, it's going to work for, you know, what we're trying to do so that we're free at that time to really experience and share those emotions. So I just wanted to 
throw that out there a little bit. And then, you know, just as an option for people who do feel like getting into that emotional space is going to help create and connect to what you're trying to get across to the viewer. Um, and then from a non-photographer's perspective, I think there are things that you can do on both sides of the equation that have already been mentioned by Matt and Kat and Bassam as far as giving yourself. So, you know, Bassam, in your case, you talked about giving your client a, a place to be a scene, a setting where they can connect really easily to the emotions that they will be feeling in that situation. And as artists, if we are not, you know, for those of us who are not photographers, or even if you are, this is something you can do as well, but um, giving yourself not only permission to experience these things, but uh, a setting in which it's safe to experience these things in which the setting itself helps contribute to those emotions. Um, you know, if, if we're looking at trying to capture the feeling of romance and love, maybe we've done something like light candles and play certain music and read through, you know, or look through old pictures and, you know, try to help ourselves facilitate our ability to get some of those feelings going. I know some people who watch movies to do this or read books to do this. And that's all really fantastic ways to connect to emotion for the purpose of being able to ask myself, how does it feel? And that's a really fantastic question when it comes to communicating something, because often those feelings have some kind of visual correlative, which is why um, visual literacy is such an important subject for us to know. And so I would ask, just as an exercise for those folks in the audience today, um, and for our friends on the panel, um, for you, Matt and Bassam, how, what shape does sadness take? Is it sharp? Is it rounded? Is it heavy? What color is sadness? And when you start asking yourself these questions, these how does it feel questions, you start to get some things. Well, maybe, maybe loss feels sharp, but a farewell, the sadness that comes from a farewell, maybe it feels round and full. And how does that translate into the shape language that you use when you're creating an image? What color is it? Is it the kind of sick, green, pale sadness of losing somebody? Is it the round, full, romantic sadness of having said goodbye to somebody that you cared about and knowing they're going on to live a better life? Like, how do these things communicate? What, what correlatives do they have when you're feeling them? Um, how do you communicate a tight chest when there is no subject, when there's not a person there to mimic these shapes, how, how do you communicate those things? So being able to put yourself in that place where you can feel these things and then ask yourself those questions is a really powerful way to see what visually correlates to the emotions that you're having at the moment. And it isn't safe and it isn't easy because of course you're asking yourself to feel things very deeply and then to be present enough to communicate them. And for many people who do use art as a form of communication therapy, they are doing these things from a very instinctive level. It doesn't always necessarily make sense to the viewer if the viewer has not had similar experiences where they can connect to that thing. But for people who have experienced those things in that way, it will be a deeply personal viewing experience. And I can imagine if you think back over your history with art, and pieces that have connected to you really deeply, 
there's a good chance somebody else may see that piece and not get the same feeling out of it at all because that piece wasn't made for them. It wasn't created for somebody who didn't feel or experience or could connect to what that meant. Um, so that is something to keep in mind when it comes to being able to chase and express these emotions that you can put yourself into those places and ask yourself, what is that like? And how does that correlate? And it can be a really deeply cathartic experience, but also incredibly informative when it comes to translating those things into some kind of a visual language. So if you're with us today and you have gone through this experience or this is something that you normally do, which is, you know, chase emotion and art and try to express it, and you have something you want to share, I would love to have you raise your hand and come up. But Matt and Bassam, I, I'm curious now, as I've been talking a little bit about my personal experiences, but also then um, some of the things that we might be able to try from a non-portrait perspective, have you ever actually found yourself going through any of these experiences? Matt, I know you said um, writing things down when you're feeling highly emotional. Does that sound like a similar experience to what I was communicating just now? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I don't disagree with you in, in saying that you do have to be in it. You do have to be experiencing it to truly get, you know, that emotion across or be able to create from that place. Right. I think you also struck on the point that was more what I was trying to say, which is eh, as a business owner, you got to control yourself in there a little bit. But there are certainly times when I've been going through and making something probably more in the on the video end than necessarily the the photography end of really trying to, you know, become part of the story, not myself, not put myself in front of the camera unless it's a self portrait, but really just trying to lean into it and feel it. You have to do that. I think if you're trying to work with a client and you want to explore that, you've got to just understand where those feelings come from and not necessarily get overwhelmed in the moment uh, itself. Now, there are beautiful parts to being overwhelmed in the moment as well, right? It's not always about making the art. It's about living life and experiencing life and being present with the person in front of you. But I think, you know, as we're able to just understand how we feel, where those feelings come from, what they look like. I love what you're talking about is pain sharp or rounded. I never even thought about something like that. It's amazing. And I think, you know, if you're able to look at emotion like that and make your own connections in your head of how you describe it, how you experience it, how you pull from your own life history and apply that to the moment. I think those are all really important things. And, you know, for me, it's, all right, am I just going to feel all the feels right now or am I going to try to create something? And is there a middle ground where it's perfect, where I can do both at once? So, yeah, I think, you know, when it, when it comes to all of this, it's situationally dependent, right? It's, you know, are we, are we doing something to send a message? Are we doing something to help someone with a cathartic moment in their life? Are we doing it for competition? Are we doing it for ourselves? You know me, it always comes down to intention and, you know, act accordingly with that intention. So I'll leave it there. And that's a really important point. Um, and I think, you know, touched on even just a little bit by Kat, um, on the fringes in the beginning that what are we trying to do first right and sometimes we need to have our our thinking caps on and we need to not be so deeply involved in the experience 
that we, you know, cease to be a good leader for our client or a customer or whoever it is. And then other times we may want to give ourselves the freedom to just be there all the way and feel everything. And understanding that in advance is, is 100% helpful. And then knowing that you can put yourself into those situations where those feelings can come to the forefront and you can experience them. Um, whether that is through a, a situation of your own making where you're saying, okay, I'm going to try to remember this time when my first love broke my heart and I'm going to play our song and I'm going to, you know, do this and that and the other thing um, to, to just allow myself to feel those things and recognize that that's, it's not going to be easy. But if that's your intention to be able to connect deeply to those feelings so that you can use them, you just, that, you know, you take the steps that it takes in order to allow that to have space to happen, but also recognizing anytime you're feeling deep emotions, it's just gonna affect you. And it's maybe, at least for me, it took a couple days of recovery in that specific instance in order to work my way through those emotions and let go of them and be okay um, and not just be completely emotionally drained. And that may be damaging for some folks. So you, you need to understand that about yourself. Um, we talked about self-reflection earlier and knowing what kind of person you are. And that's a really important thing to know. So if you are the kind of person who's going to be absolutely destroyed by allowing yourself to get into that space, do not do that lightly. And you may be the kind of person who requires um, a guide or somebody to help walk you through in order to, you know, in order to experience that without completely losing track of yourself. So it's, it's all a question of knowing who we are. And, and like you said, Matt, knowing what our intentions are and how we want to go through the experience of creating these things. So I noticed that we didn't have anybody raise their hand. So nobody wanted to come up and share what that is like for them. But I'm, I would, I think I would love to try to find some folks who are in other forms of visual media, maybe get my hands on some illustrators um, to come on and talk about this because I know from their perspective, from building these images from the ground up, that's going to look like an entirely different process than the one photographers go through. Um, and it would be fantastic to be able to hear from them. So I'm, I might reach out to some folks and see maybe if we can get some people to do that because I think for us photographers, it's gonna be highly informative in a different way to think about how we start putting these visual elements together even before we are taking the photo. Um, so, oh, MJ is with us. Hello, MJ. So, yeah. but, hey, yeah, Nicole, go ahead, before, and then we'll before MJ we'll goes, MJ. sorry, sorry, MJ, I just need to leave. I have an appointment, but I just wanted, since you gave us a challenge at the beginning, I just want to say maybe a couple, last, last couple of words before I leave. And I don't have much to add, but I do want to agree and, and reemphasize that, it, you know, I, I totally agree with what you said, and I and I and I think it's all about the context. I think we need to be aware of what context we're in, and the context may may influence what you do. So what Matt and I talked about, you know, is is really in I think is in the realm of having a photo shoot with a client where you're trying to create six to seven looks in a certain number of minutes or hours, and you have to be focused on getting the job done. Uh, versus where you know where the emotions and so on. Yes, you need to get into that enough to 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 accomplish what the client is looking for. But at the same time, you need to you need to execute, right? As opposed to a context where you have a project in mind, the one you described, where you prepared for it, where you probably thought of the lighting in advance, where you the only thing you did in that in in that in that, uh, in that photo shoot or whatever you know, in that uh, uh, session is to focus on the main. 
purpose, right? So context makes a big difference. And I think the more we are, we are practiced in, in, in the art of, of, of creation and, 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 you know, some of the tips that you gave and how to go about, uh, how, how to go about, uh, you know, uh, describing emotions with shapes and colors and so on. Well, obviously intuitively it'll become easier as you go into different contexts, like I was, you know, like I was describing, right. Which is a photo shoot with a client, but yeah, context is very important. And, and I really appreciated the talk today. And I, uh, and I learned a couple of tricks. So thank you. I need to get going. So uh, have a great day, everyone. All right. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's super important, Basam, and it really ties into kind of what Matt said and, and make sure that we're looking at context. And I think you're absolutely right. And understanding in advance and knowing what our intentions are um, is going to be a key to be able to to get what we need in the right way. So I absolutely agree with you there. And then I want to make sure we hear from MJ. So MJ, what are your thoughts? Um, I had a, I jumped in late, so I may be a little off on, on the question or the, the exact topic. Will you reiterate it just one more time? Yeah. So we're talking about how we explore emotion in our art and, um, whether we, you know, not whether, just how we do it, um, how we put ourselves in a position to be able to communicate emotion through whatever our art form is. So I had a client that I was kind of unprepared for, and this may be a topic later. I, I had her part of a, just a portrait series for older women, and she said she really wanted to do this um, with the caveat that she could do something that would help other other women that are suffering from depression and anxiety and she is my same age but she's the youngest of her family so she is now in the position in a different position than I am and she's taking care of her parents who are um, in a retirement care center and they're no longer verbal and they're they've got dementia and she's really in a different state of mind and she really wanted to capture that she said she really was okay with it being ugly and and um, and the sad part of of being in depression and the sad part of being a caregiver and I I wasn't prepared. I've done a lot of my own work with expressing ex, yeah expressing emotion, but as um, like a hired photographer, luckily I'm a friend. I was I really had a hard time. Um, because, you know, as, as being her friend, I really wanted to reach out and comfort her. Um, cause she was just, she, we, we went to the care center. We, we visited with her parents and I took some beautiful portraits of them and then took a couple of her. And then we did her this session with her and she was just, she just let it go. And she, she did a great job of talking me through it and saying, I'm just going to let myself feel this. And, um, had she not been so good about saying, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to feel this and I'm going to like dive into these emotions. I don't, I probably would have, it would have been more difficult for me to see my friend, you know, really feeling what she's going through. Um, but I also, uh, that was something I wish I could have been in a better mental state to handle. Um, you know, watching her, her cry for these, these photos and be in tears and in anguish. Um, I wasn't quite sure how to plan for that.
do you have any suggestions? And then also something to help them recover or yourself, especially somebody being, you know, just empathetic and knowing someone's going through this. How, how would you um, go about setting up or preparing for that? I think that's a really fantastic question, MJ. And first, um, it's amazing that you were able to give her that space to have those moments to be able to feel those things and to be able to capture what that is like. So that's a, a really, really beautiful gift that you gave her. But I can, I can definitely connect with you on not necessarily being prepared for that emotional experience. I have had a few of those in the past and it, it does take you off guard. Um, so I think I would begin by, if it, this is a client situation, I would begin by really getting deeply into asking a lot of questions beforehand and trying to explore exactly what it is that this person is wanting to communicate and what they're wanting to do so that I'm not taken off guard when the emotions really start to roll in. Um, so beginning that way and then also looking at giving myself a couple of days so if I knew I was going to be photographing someone like your friend, I probably would not book anything for the next couple of days afterward, just to give myself a chance to emotionally recover. And sometimes we have to be able to process those emotions in some way. And that may be writing them out. That might be um, having another friend be able to come over so you can talk through things. I remember after that particular fine art session, having so many feelings, but not, not having a way for them to escape. And I actually went live a couple times on Facebook just to talk it out and know somebody was listening and to be able to say, I'm feeling these things really deeply and I don't have a way to make sense of them. Um, just knowing that somebody was there and that somebody was listening. And for the times when I have been surprised I, I've been lucky enough to be able to work with a lot of actors over the years. Um, and when they all of a sudden start to emote and, and bring things and explore emotions, it's, it can be really overwhelming. There are times when I have just not breathed for a while because, you know, like you said, Matt, when in video, there's a, you have to connect to what's happening in a really big way. You kind of disappear and you become part of the story. You're not Matt with a camera anymore or Nicole with a camera anymore. You are vicariously experiencing this part of the story and what's happening in front of you. And that is not, I don't know that that's something that you can prepare for when there is no ability to, to prepare yourself in advance when you didn't know, when you couldn't go, okay, here's what we're going to do. I need to recognize that this is gonna happen to me. Um, but afterward, definitely having a support system and having people you can talk to and having the ability to separate yourself a little bit and do some self-care to help process those emotions afterwards. Um, if you have safe space, like my husband is my safe space and most of the time, um, if I need to calm down my emotions, whether that's from an anxiety attack or something else, we do something called co-regulating. So um, the whole point is I just need to cuddle him a lot and I need him to cuddle me so I can feel his heartbeat and let his biology start to calm mine down, um, which is a great tool 
um, for anybody who does have anxiety, if you have somebody you can co-regulate with that, that physical touch and being able to um, have that your sympathetic nervous system affected by somebody else's is really, really super helpful. But those are the things that I would look at in those situations to be able to kind of cope with the emotion that comes after dealing with a client who has really just let themselves do that. And then beforehand, like I said, I would, I would be asking a lot of questions and see if I can get to the heart of what is going to happen before it actually happens. So I can kind of do a little preparation in advance. I hope, does that help at all? Definitely. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So Gene also had his hand raised. So Gene, um, what are you thinking on, you know, this, this question of how we approach emotion in our work? Um, so Nicole, I, I didn't notice the time when I raised my hand. I thought, I want to respect your time. If, if you want to close the room, um, I am picking up my house right now. So, okay. <laughs> okay. so we're okay for a few more minutes. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so, you know, I wasn't going to chime in because obviously um, for people that know me, um, you know, I'm still really kind of processing and grappling with probably the greatest loss of my life. And so I didn't think I'd have anything useful to say. But attaching this to our work um, and something Matt said kind of triggered something in my mind that not triggered, sorry, you didn't trigger me, Matt. Um, what I meant to say is you sparked something in my mind um, is that uh, one of the things that I find most fascinating about film is the ability for the writers and the directors to control how the audience experiences an event during the film based on the work that they've done throughout the film to invest you in a certain character. And so it's, it's one thing where, you know, they want to create a villain, but they can really complicate that emotion by, um, demonstrating the villainous activity in the film and in the screenwriting while at the same time giving you some empathy or some excuse as to why the person is a villain in the first place. And so then you find yourself confused, like, oh man, he's a really bad guy, but he's, he's, you know, he, 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 he deserves to be. <laughs> um, or when, you know, you can almost tell uh, when they're about to kill off a character in a movie because they spent a lot of time um, developing your love for the character because they want it to be gut-wrenching when they kill that character off in the film. And and so I was, I was just kind of pondering in my head, okay, so how would this relate to photography? Um, I, I'm, I go back to the month that we spent on on visual literacy, and I often go back to the laundry mat exercise that we did that was so fun. Um, and I think about, you know, well, you know, you, you could put somebody, you know, in a certain situation and, and, you know, beyond all the obvious things like the color and the tone and, and, and the, the practical uh, uh, presentation of danger or, or sadness or something like that or loss. Um, but there's a lot that you can do in the eyes and the facial expression and the way that you can communicate, especially 
if you can find a way to juxtaposition that facial expression against what you're actually experiencing, you know, and, and, and demonstrate denial, um, which is probably what I'm facing right now. Um, because everything that's happened in the last month didn't really happen. I'm just going to pretend like it, you know, didn't happen. And, uh, my dad's going to call me today. Um, so there's all those ranges of emotion and I'm fascinated. Um, I've always been fascinated by how people do that in film. And I've come to learn as I've spent more time with you guys that it is entirely possible to do that also in photography. I find it to be much more difficult and therefore I have a great deal of respect for people that are able to do that in still images because you only have one frame to tell that story as we've said often. And, uh, and so I, 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 I just wanted to bring up the point about, um, uh, about, you know, the character development and, and how you um, can sharpen an emotion in your work uh, by developing someone's love or hatred towards the subject of the, uh, of the work. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I appreciate that, Gene. And connecting that to, I've mentioned in the past often that I would encourage any visual artist to go and learn from cinematographers because they are absolutely masterful in how they light and set up and move through these scenes. And this is 100% something that you can do in a still frame. You cannot obviously build up love for a character before you do something terrible to them because that's not the way that uh, stills work. But you can use a lot of the same tool sets that are used in film in order to communicate these things as well. So we're looking at all of the things, all of the aspects of visual literacy that we've talked about from color palette to shape language to composition, you know, how you are framing, even what lens you're using. If you're a photographer, if you're not, a lot of uh, illustrators mimic lens use in their paintings. And um, that's an interesting thing to look at if you ever, if you ever go and, uh, and look at any modern illustration ask yourself if there's a correlative to lens and you will find that lens distortion is something that gets used because photos are reality to us in a really strange way. And so when painters approach and when illustrators approach, you know, building a scene, they will often use some kind of correlative in order to help communicate that visual signal and that language. But you can do those things in advance, asking yourself all the kinds of questions that we use, like you mentioned, are our, our laundry exercise when we were telling a story and asking ourselves, well, who is this person and how does that manifest in what they wear and how they hold their body? If they're wearing a suit, is it very clean and buttoned up and everything looks crisp and like it was just brushed and iron? Or is their tie loose and their collar is pulled up a little bit and their jacket's unbuttoned and their sleeves are rolled up? And what does that say? about the person. Is it a dark power suit? Is it something that's more khaki? What does that say about the scene? What kind of color palette are we using? Is it dark desaturated colors? Is it bright pastel colors? How does that help communicate? Um, what can be included in the scene from a props perspective? Do we have just a lot of empty nothingness here? Or do we have aspects of this character's story that help communicate where they're at right now? Um, there's all of these little pieces that we can use that are the same process that 
uh, you go through in film that can help communicate, but we are lacking movement and we are, of course, lacking sound. But a I lot think, of those can happen still. I, I, I think that one of the things that, that I've learned um, in the Artist Forge, and I think we've talked about it a little bit too, is that in film, you know, you do have that, that somewhat linear path even though you may be telling the story in different orders, Christopher Nolan does a really good job of telling the story from both ends. Of, you know, he burns the candle from both ends of the stick and it comes to a climax in the middle. So there's different ways to tell the story, but you're still presenting those cuts in a linear fashion. And that's how you're telling the story. What I think is fascinating is all of those elements that you described come into play, but there are certain visual artists and certain photographers that, that do a really good job of taking you into their image, into that one single frame that they've created in a very deliberate way. So they can control what, you know, what stands out first? What does your eye get drawn to when you first look at it? And then where does that take you in the image? And then where does that take you? And then where does that take you? So, you may only have one frame, but there is a, a, another dimension when, when you're really good. And I'm certainly not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm savvy enough because I've been listening to you guys talk for a year that I recognize the fact that this can be done. I would love to be able to do it. Might be a really cool exercise for us to do sometime. But how do you take someone on a journey through a photograph in such a way that you tell the story? the way that you want to tell the story. So therefore having some control over how invested somebody is in the subject, what are you noticing about the subject? Maybe you initially see somebody who's doing something evil, but then you find visual clues throughout the image that, that make you realize, Oh, he's actually defending himself or he's, um, you know, got reason or cause or, or she's being abused, you know, um, uh, a, 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 a woman sending the dagger through the heart of a man, you know, would, would be pretty heinous at first glance. But if you see visual clues that she's been abused, all of a sudden that entire image takes on a whole different meaning. So I'm fascinated by the idea of taking somebody on a journey through a still image. And I think, um, I think that's something that um, it would be worth talking more about someday, sometime. Matt, did you have something there? I noticed that you were unmuted a minute ago. Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll touch on that just really quickly, Jean, with an example, um, just a, a visual exercise, uh, imaginary exercise that might help a little bit for people to go on, and then we'll go ahead and close down for today. But imagine you're looking at an image, and right there in the center is a woman who's down on one knee and she's holding a little boy by the arms and her face is red and you can tell that she's upset and the little boy is crying and initially it looks like she's probably yelling at him. She's angry, all of the signs are there, her hands are tight, her shoulders are tight, the panic on the little boy's face, there's tears running down his face. And then as you start to look at the wider scene, we're in a neighborhood and there's a car stopped in the road and there's a blue ball, a little kid's ball that has rolled up against the sidewalk. All of a sudden, exactly like you said, we start to see that there are context clues that paint the scene in a different way. 
And so you can do this absolutely through visual imagery. And what I would challenge you to do is begin by thinking like a filmmaker and tell the story in your head the way that you would as a filmmaker and then hit pause and ask yourself what is in that scene. And we've talked before about, you know, the, your Mary Bridges project. Do the same thing there. If you were filming that as a movie and then you were going to hit pause on the scene that you wanted to take a photograph of, that will give you a whole lot of ideas. Um, and you can start asking yourself these questions. How do I communicate this? So are her clothes worn and caked with leftover salt? Is her face dirty like she hasn't been able to take a shower or a bath or clean herself? Or is her hair bedraggled or is it neat and tidy? What do her fingernails look like? Are her cheeks chapped? What about her lips? Are they peeling? What expression is on her face? Is it one of hopelessness or is it one of determination? How is she wearing her clothing? Is her belly starting to show yet? Are there other people in the scene? Do we see roiling waves behind them? Is there wind and hair whipping? Are there soldiers who are looking at her with awe or respect? Or are they looking forward in panic? What is in the scene? Are there broken ropes? Is a mast bent and hanging? Like you, you can look at this process exactly as if you were a filmmaker filming this whole scene and then pause it on the scene you want to photograph and ask yourself what is there? What context clues are in the image? If it's a storm, then probably we have lots of desaturated colors and there's broad overhead lighting that's you know relatively soft, but maybe we have a couple sharp points of light where lightning has illuminated something. You, you can do all of these things in a photograph, but you have to be able to play that image through in your mind and then plan for that point where you pause. And this does or can, I should say, this can require a good amount of production value. And I would suggest if you go over to my website and you look at some of the photos of cowboys there, um, start picking those apart a little bit and you will see what that I have done that very specific thing. You will see that there are some where the cowboy is clean, his hands are clean, his fingernails are clean, he's wearing clothes that are not all busted up. And then you will see some where his hands are caked in dirt, his fingernails are dirty, his lips are peeling, his cheeks are chapped, his shirt is torn, there's blood. There are all of these context clues that help you read what happened before this still photograph was taken. And I think you'll find that if you can take that filmmaking skill and bring it into your sills, you're going to be able to give yourself exactly what you want. Well, that's the second time you've kicked me in the butt about Mary Patton. So uh, I'm going to get oh, busy Patton, on that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Patton. Sorry, I, yeah. But you remembered everything else. I mean, it's amazing how you're, you you definitely have locked on that project and you've and you've been with me on this since I first brought it up. So I really appreciate that. And that definitely this spring, uh, when the weather breaks a little bit, uh, we're going to get back on that because I'm excited about it. And you make me excited about it every time you talk about it. Good. Well, I really want to see it. So I hope you get out there and make it. And then, yeah, I just encourage you to approach it that way. Um, because, you know, you, you have a lot of experience with that. And I think if you can get to that point where you pause it in your head, you're, you're going to see exactly what you want and then know from a production standpoint what you need to bring to bear in order to make it happen. So, all right, y'all. This has been a long one today, but I think worthwhile having this conversation around how do we approach emotion in our work, whether that is to share a visual snapshot of emotion that somebody else is 
able to connect to, whether that is how we feel emotion while we're creating. Do we need to put ourselves into a place where we can feel those emotions and experience them and then take what we feel and start to share that, to be able to ask ourselves these questions that will help us translate what we're feeling into something visual. How does it feel to feel happy? Does it feel big and expansive? Is it light? What color is it? How does, as I mentioned before, how does pain feel? Is it angular? Is it sharp? Is it big and round and heavy like a bowling ball in your guts? What are the things that you experience emotionally and how can you start to translate those things so that you can share them from a visual perspective? Um, being willing to really live in that feeling and in that emotion long enough to walk away with strong impressions that you can take and then translate. There are a lot of different ways that we can approach sharing visually what we feel so that our images become more than just that's pretty and then we go about our business. If we want to make emotionally impactful image images, then we have to give ourselves permission to be in those spaces and to explore what it means and to find images that move us emotionally and ask ourselves, how are they accomplishing this? What are the tools of visual literacy that are being used that allow me as the viewer to feel something deeply when I see this image? Um, and take and start to experiment and translate some of those things. And if you are not a person who feels like this is a requirement for you to create what you want, then disregard, go about your merry way, making things that you love and things that make you happy. This is not a requirement for anybody, more just an exploration of if this is something you want to be able to do, here are some ideas you might be able to take and play with and use to your advantage. So big thanks to everybody who contributed to today's conversation for everything that you shared, for the questions that you asked. It is allowing the listeners and the people who can't come up and speak to have their questions answered, to experience some of these things vicariously, and hopefully to take some of these tools that we've shared so far and give them a try for themselves. So big thanks to you. Of course, everybody who is here and still listening, if you're still here today, so glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Hopefully you will join us tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast afternoon for our friends overseas. Don't forget, if you are not part of the Facebook group, to head up to the link at the top. Come and join us over there. Right now we are in the middle of the February challenge, which is we are using... Any art AI, we've linked to artbreeder.com um, as a way that we can do that, but we're using AI to try to create some piece of work that allows us to experiment with the idea of psychological distance, meaning um, we are doing things in the abstract and then having to use our visual literacy tools to ask ourselves why, when we don't recognize anything in the image, we still ha can have an emotional pull, we can still translate it some way, why does that happen? So that is the February challenge. If you are gonna take part, go experiment, share that in the group with the hashtag February challenge so that we have access to all of that and we can share it when we do our final live stream of the month, which is I believe on the 24th. Yes, on the 24th. So next week on Thursday, we will be doing a live stream where we take some of those images, we break them down. We also chat a little bit about uh, the topics that have really affected us over the last couple of weeks. And we get all to hang out together. So come and be with us for that. Come and share your thoughts. We want you to be able to break these images down as well and share how they make you feel and see if we can discover why. 
So until tomorrow morning, have a fantastic day. Go make something amazing and we'll see everybody in the morning. Bye, friends. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.